0: How are COVID measures tied in with a grand plan to change from the dollar to digital currency? Are the major corporations planning for a future with transhumanism and slavery as part of the reset? Are the COVID measures put in place actually part of a Stan Milgram-style psychological experiment? How can we, the people, find a way out of the trap that has been laid for them as the pandemic. This week on the Global Research News Hour, we examine the idea of the COVID crisis being a mask for the global elites to bring about changes on a global level that radically shift our lives in a way that benefits them. In the first half hour, Catherine Austin-Fitz of Solari.com makes her debut on the program, detailing her written report on the state of our currencies, the end of currencies. And in our second half hour, we hear from Mila Alekovich Batai, a noted researcher into psychopathology and psychology, about how the COVID measures put in place are a form of dark psychiatric experiment. On this week's program, Unmasking COVID, what purpose does it serve and for whom? Bringing you the analysis beyond the media headlines, the Global Research News Hour is on the air. Welcome to the Global Research News Hour for the week of March 5th, 2021. The program is funded by the Centre for Research on Globalization and produced in collaboration with campus community radio station CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg on Occupied Anishinaabegaki, the homeland of the Métis and the historical territory of the Nahiwak and the Nakota. I'm your host, Michael Welch. The show seeks to provide listeners with access to analysis of some of the major issues shaping our world today from thinkers, researchers, and unique political personalities rarely addressed by major media. Our shows are features on partner radio stations across Canada and the United States and available for streaming or download at the site globalresearch.ca. We'll begin our show with News Notes, a sampling of articles from the Global Research News site. The experimental Pfizer mRNA vaccine is both unapproved and permitted. I've checked this statement with a prominent lawyer. It is blatantly illegal to market an unapproved product. The Pfizer-Moderna vaccine is categorized by the CDC as an investigational drug. The emergency use is there to justify the launching of what might be described as an illegal drug. That comes from the article CYA and Fraudulent Marketing. The Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine is an unapproved product which is permitted for use. By professor, Michelle Chosodovsky, posted March 3rd. So the choices are be locked up for two weeks in a military-administered quarantine hotel or take the tracking bracelet. It doesn't really sound like freedom. The development comes at the same time as a court ruling demanding that the country's domestic spy agency, the Shin Bet, must back off COVID-19 contact tracing surveillance. The court ruled that the efforts are quote-unquote draconian and a threat to democracy in the country and can only be used in emergencies. Israel is also operating a two-tier society where those who have been vaccinated have a green pass to go where they want, and those who haven't must stay under lockdown. That comes from the article, Freedom Bracelet, Tracking Device, Launched as Alternative to Quarantine. This is Definitely Not Freedom, by Steve Watson. Posted March 3rd, originally published at Summit News. We're certainly back to fever pitch now. What is different, I think, is the dangers that are present in this new chapter of relations with Russia. The late professor Stephen Cohen put it well when he said that this is probably more dangerous than it was before because there do not seem to be rules of behavior or red lines on either side. It's an unstable situation and the rhetoric in Brussels and Washington is increasingly reckless and bellicose. It's being undertaken as a project of national security for the NATO states, and that is driving massive hikes in weapons spending in Europe, but it is actually destroying security because it treats Russia, a nuclear-armed state, as an adversary. That was from a conversation between Claire Daly and Dr. Leon Tressel, posted under the headline, the EU's participation in the new Cold War against Russia. A conversation with MEP Claire Daly, posted March 3rd. Fox News investigation says there's, quote, reasonable grounds to suspect, unquote, that SARS-CoV-2, which may have leaked accidentally from a lab in Wuhan, China, was the product of taxpayer-funded gain-of-function experiments commissioned by the U.S. government and overseen by Fauci. At the outset of the COVID-19 outbreak, anyone who dared question the mainstream government and media narrative that SARS-CoV-2 evolved in the wild did so at the risk of being labeled a conspiracy theorist. But as months passed, organizations like Children's Health Defense, or CHD, U.S. Right to Know and others began asking questions and calling for investigations. The Washington Post eventually went out on a limb to print an op-ed suggesting that the virus might have leaked from a lab, and more recently, the Wall Street Journal waded into the controversy with its article, China's Reckless Labs Put the World at Risk. That comes from the article, Investigation Links Fauci to Controversial Experiments that May Have Led to Pandemic, posted March 3rd, originally published at Children's Health Defense. Last August, a written analysis appeared on the website Solari.com entitled State of Our Currencies, which described how the world was in the process of switching from the old system of dollar-based currency to a brand new system involving digital entities and essentially doing away with currency as we know it. This is tied into the various changes brought in the wake of the COVID pandemic. The author's name is Catherine Austin Fitz. She's president of Solari, Inc., publisher of the Solari Report and blogs at Solari.com. In addition, she has served as managing director and member of the board of directors of the Wall Street Investment Bank, Dillon, Reed and & Company, and she was assistant secretary of housing and federal housing commissioner at the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development in the first Bush administration. The Global Research News Hour asked her to lay out how the change in currency links with covid
1: so the 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 central bank the g7 central bankers voted on the plan to reorganize the financial system it's called going direct reset and they voted on that in 2019 and then proceeded in september to um to go into the the fed went into the repo market and we saw essentially what is turning out to be a new round of quantitative easing um, that put uh, trillions of dollars into the hands of the banks. And, uh, and then you come into the spring and if they're gonna take the next step on their plan to re-engineer both the financial system and really global governance with it, you, you needed all sorts of um, actions in the economy that would be very difficult to justify politically through another financial crisis. So, rather than have a financial crisis, they decided to have a healthcare crisis. And if you look at many of the restrictions and, I, you know, I'll just say it perfectly. Christy Noem, the governor of South Dakota, just gave a speech at CPAC and she said, let's face it. She said COVID-19 didn't shut the economy down. The government shut the economy down. And so what we've seen is economic warfare of the kind that we saw in Russia during the rape of Russia, or in Argentina and South America during, you know, the move by the WTO and the World Bank and IMF. So we've seen this kind of disaster capitalism before. And, uh, you know, and your principal, Mr. Chattanoffsky has written about it for decades. We've seen it all over the world, but we've never seen it in the G7 nations this way. So what did you happen? You, I'm going to grossly oversimplify, you declared all the small businesses and all the businesses owned on main street to be non-essential at which point everybody had to immediately start swinging all their purchases to the companies owned by the private equity investors and the large publicly traded stocks. So for example, we just saw an announcement that retail sales dropped globally by 3%, which looks a little low to me, but e-commerce sales are up 27.6%. Now, when you consolidate market share into your companies at that extraordinary percent level, and you're prepared for it, that can translate into thousand percent plus increases either in your private equity position, you know, to give you another example, more than half of the stocks issued in the U S markets last year for IPOs were what's called SPAC, which are cash pools, blind pools. And we now literally have a $700 billion. SPAC market capitalization of companies ready to just buy as all these other companies that are deemed non-essential essentially lose their market share and go bankrupt mm-hmm. so this is this is disaster capitalism on a global scale in a way we've never seen before all under the pretext of a healthcare crisis so if you look at the next steps in the going direct reset there's no way they could implement those as a political matter saying it was a financial crisis You're talking about something that has added untold trillions of dollars of wealth to the top billionaires.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, there's more than the the central banks involved. I mean, you also include the the big pharma, the tech giants, uh, the U.S. military and media. How exactly do all of these separate entities work together? What are the logistics? I mean, do they all know… Do they all know if
1: you if you want to move to an all digital financial system, then you need to implement the smart grid. And what you're talking about is a wide range of players who are all in the in the business of building the infrastructure on the smart grid from the cloud to the telecommunications to the satellites to literally injecting the nanoparticles into our body that, you know, hook together with everything else. So you know, Moderna calls their injection the software of life, and they literally have quotes describing their their new injection technology as an a operating system for your body. Yeah. Well, well could you talk about? I mean, the, the, the whole
0: transhumanism essentially, I think, is what you're you're getting at there. I mean, um, I mean, maybe you could say a few things. Well, think
1: of it this way. Think of this as the ultimate in intermediation. So once upon a time we lived on a farm and we did everything for ourselves. We had our own well, we provided our own water, we built a septic tank, we provided our own sewage. You know, slowly what we've done is we've built corporations that intermediated all the different steps. So for example, you work at the water company, you get a paycheck, you come home, you put money in your retirement account, they buy stock in the water company. And then you come home and you pay a bill to the water company. And so, you know, I I remember telling a client once who was very upset because her water bill was going up. You know, so so one week she'd complain about her water bill going up. The next week she'd complain about um, the yields on her stock portfolio going down. And I said, this is very simple. Sell your stock and, and, and build a well, you know, and just disintermediate the intermediation. Well, Now with technology and nanoparticles, we're talking about intermediation. So we've seen, you know, the the people wanting to intermediate us come into our home and use surveillance capitalism to literally watch us through our TV sets, listen to everything we're saying through the smartphone and use that data to sell us things. But now we're talking about a deeper drive to really literally get things into your body. You know, so, so we're talking about intermediation at the molecular level is what I believe is happening.
0: Yeah, and uh, would that would be through, uh, well, they, they've got this vaccination plan underway. You know, I mean, is this... Uh, so, part
1: of, uh, so part of it is the vaccination, but if you look at all the different ways nanoparticles are being inserted into our body through the food, through spraying, you know, there are multiple ways that the nanoparticles are getting into our our bodies. And, you know, sort of there's a great debate about what the details are on all of that. Um. But there's no doubt to me that if you come to the Solaria report, one of, I think, the most important Solaria reports we've ever done was an interview I did with Adam Trombling many years ago on entrainment technology and subliminal programming. Because I think the biggest challenge we face, you know, you have a push to, to move us to a transhumanist society. And I think the most powerful weapon doing that is entrainment technology and subliminal programming. So we've never seen propaganda at the level that we're seeing now. And, you know, that's the ulti- ultimate intermediation when someone can use these kinds of very sophisticated technology and weaponry to literally control or influence our minds without our even knowing it.
0: So when you have things like these uh, these clouds that are, are used by uh the military that that's a way in which you can uh, i mean it, it can have wide-ranging uh, aspects of it it actually again influences the ways in which uh, people uh will
1: right and of course the big danger here is if the central banks end up running a crypto system whether it's a global currency or you know it's all digital and it looks like different currencies what you've got is a control system so there was a wonderful um, cross-border payment discussion that the IMF did during its annual meeting with the head of the BIS, the Bank of International Settlements, and Jay Powell and the general manager, Carstens of the BIS, pointed out to Powell. Well, if you don't want non and transacting in your central bank digital currency, you can just turn them off. Now, you know the point. The point he was making was anybody transacting in your digital currency can just be turned off. So if you, Michael, don't behave and you say something inappropriate, they can just turn off your money and you can't transact.
0: So what, uh, I mean, the, we saw the global elites take trillions of dollars over the course of uh, you know fighting the virus. I mean, uh, moving
1: forward. Well, what they did, basically what, I'm again, I'm grossly oversimplifying, your business is not essential, my business is, I suck up all the sales from your business. Now, what's interesting is if you look at the money that the central bankers were pumping out, part of it was buying treasury security so the US Treasury could infuse massive amounts of money directly and through state government into people's pockets. And, and basically many, many people in the G7 were paid to liquidate their own jobs and companies. Mm-hmm. It's frightening. Yeah, and so You know, I we heard many stories of people saying, well, I'm making more money uh, not working. And, you know, my retort to that is yes. And your skills are becoming irrelevant. Hmm.
0: Moving forward there. I mean, uh, when you look at things like, well, okay, looking over the past, you know, the gains, uh, the labor movement has made major gains, uh, for, for people. Um, are we going to see those gains rolling back? And, and if so, how far?
1: So let me go back to a financial system which can control whether you can transact or not. Uh, you're talking about rolling the back all the way because that's a slavery system. So, you know, if I, can, if I can insert things into your body, if I can mind control you, if I can turn off your ability to transact, that's a slavery system. So, you know, and, and you're looking at a leadership who thinks they can do almost everything with software and AI and, they, and robotics and they don't need people.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's another uh, aspect of it. I mean, uh, you know, when, when you don't have, the, I mean, for people um, who are able to, to see these changes coming in, uh, uh, I mean, well, since since you you wrote this paper so, i mean
1: yeah so let me be the tough guy on all of this because if you look at the entire system that's being built we're building it oh yeah okay so it's the general population that's building the prison wow. you know so we're building the vaccine machinery we're building the healthcare machinery that's playing this game we're building the clouds, we're building the crypto systems, we're building the military, we're building operation warp speed. You know, we're our pension funds are financing the treasuries that are doing this. Our congressmen and senators are, you know, supporting and passing all of this stuff. This is us, we are doing this. So, you know, a small handful of oligarchs cannot do something like this unless they have the general population, you know, making tyranny possible and building the infrastructure for tyranny. So we are doing this and the ugly part of looking at that ultimately opens the door to the positive, which is if we're building it, we can stop.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, well, since, since I should say, well, since you wrote this paper back in, in August, uh, there have been changes. I mean, people are, are getting vaccines as we speak. Um, ha- have there been any developments that, that, that concern you even more, or are you seeing positive signs?
1: So I, I always believed that the number one goal of COVID-19 was to get the injections accomplished so that whatever they want to get into our body, they can get into our body. So, um, you know, I always felt that that was the ultimate goal of COVID-19 was to get the population injected with whatever materials they were hoping to get in our body. So, um, and one of the reasons you've, you've had, you know, the the medical establishment has done a marvelous job of coming up with real protocols that take care of COVID-19. In other words, COVID-19 with early intervention, you know, basically doesn't, you know, at worst, it's a two day flu. So, um, you know, when they've done everything they can to stop those various protocols, because what's the justification? I just saw an article on the experience from Israel so far. It said Israel has had, I can't remember if it's four or six times more death than they would have had if everybody who got the injection just got COVID. So, um, you know, it's extraordinary because there's no Given the, the the low cost interventions that are possible and the low death rates, why have injections which are more dangerous? It makes no sense unless there's something else going on, unless you're trying to inject into people's bodies. I think, you know, based on what we've seen before, there's a group of Italian researchers in 2017 that took 41 or 42 vaccines and tried to figure out what was in them. And it was shocking what was in them but you certainly had all these nanoparticles, which is also being put in the spray and also being put in the food. And the question is, you know, what, we know that there's secret ingredients in some of these injections. So the question is what's in them and why do they need complete liability? In other words, all the corporations in the U.S. have complete liability, um, or I would argue complete liability. Some would say there's not liability for fraud. But if you if you look at what the, they're trying to do, um, to get complete freedom from liability globally you know it makes you wonder what the world's in this stuff some of us are going ahead and others
0: are are going to be resisting it i mean not i'm not taking the vaccine I, I'm, I'm not going to go for you know any of that stuff i mean how, how is this ultimately going to play
1: out i mean are you going to have
0: two levels i of- think
1: i think the question is what are eight billion people going to do it's going to come down to what we do. Are we going to keep building the prison? or Are we going to stop building the prison and say no and start building a human civilization? Hmm. In other words, I'm one of 8 billion people. I'm going to do everything in my power to build a human civilization. The question is, what are the other 8 billion minus one going to do? So mm-hmm. you and I are two, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, we're powerful. You know, Scripture says we're two or more gathered. There am I. So... That makes three. Okay, so how about everybody else? Yeah. So I've watched, you know, so so I, when did I discover global research? Maybe 99, 2000, sometime around there? When did it start?
0: Uh, 2001.
1: 2001, then it was yeah. 2001. And because uh, I remember sitting in Philadelphia and uh, Michelle asking me to write an article called The American Tapeworm. That was yeah. our first publication together anyway. So, um, you know, if everybody had done what the global research team did or the Solari team had, you know, did from 2001 on, we would not be in this pickle. Mm-hmm. So my question to everybody is, you know, what are you going to do? Because you're going to invent what happens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the globalists don't control. You're going to invent what happens. What are you going to do? What kind of world do you want to invent?
0: Transparency.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, each one of us has immense power if we choose to use it. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard my red button story? I uh, don't believe I have. Okay. So I'm going to tell it again. It's up on the internet. Just do a search for my name and red button story if you want it. But. Okay. In the summer of 2000, I was giving a speech to a group called Spiritual Frontiers Foundation International. They have a conference once a year to talk about how they can help our society evolve spiritually. Very intelligent, very educated, committed people. I was in the middle of the speech talking about the dark alliance drug dealing by the intelligence agencies into the into South Central LA and the congressional testimony that had happened in 1998. And um and one of the reporters I was working with at the time had been told by the Department of Justice spokesperson that the US economy launders $500 billion to a trillion dollars of old dirty money. We're the global leaders in money laundering. And, um, and uh, uh, so I said to this wonderful audience of spiritually evolved people, what would happen if we stopped being the global leader? And they said, well, that money would go to Zurich or Hong Kong. We'd have trouble. You know, rolling over the government debt, and our taxes might go up, and our government checks might stop, and our IRAs might go down. And I said, okay, let's pretend there's a big red button up here on the lectern, and if you can, if you push that button, you can stop all hard narcotics trafficking in your neighborhood, your town, your county, your state. Thus offending the people who control 500 billion to a trillion dollars a year of money and all the accumulated capital thereon. Who here will push the button? And out of a hundred people dedicated to evolving our society, spiritually one would push the button. I didn't vote. It would have been two. So I said, why would you not push the button? And they said, we don't want our government checks to stop. We don't want our taxes to go up and we don't want our retirement funds to go down in value. So I said, okay, so you want the American intelligence agencies to continue to market narcotics to your neighbor's children, to your grandchildren, so that your IRAs can stay up in value. Hmm. So so let me say it to you this way. If you're the president of the United States, we decide to make Michael the president of the United States tomorrow. And, you know, your, your political guy is going to say, well, the American people just spent, you know, a couple billion dollars to get you elected. So President Biden, the American people just spent a couple billion. And what they all want now is they want their check. They want their government contract. They want their you know, community block development grant. They want their HUD, you know, housing voucher. And uh, to get that, you're going to have to, so you turn to your secretary of the treasury says you're going to have to be nice to the people who control 500 billion to a trillion dollars of dirty money. Well, in a highly centralized system, if 99% of the spiritually evolved people don't want you to push the red button, how are you supposed to push the red button?
0: Hmm.
1: Right, so what I discovered that day was not that we couldn't push the red button, but we weren't having an honest conversation about the problem on the fact that we were addicted to war. You know, we have a national security state that's controlling a great deal of how the money flows. So we're addicted to war. We're addicted to disaster (laughs) capitalism. We're addicted to organized crime and we've all been pretending it's not really going on as it grows and grows and grows. And now we've reached a tipping point, and the question is, are we going to have a lawless society, or how are we going to get back to a lawful society? That's the issue at hand, because if we don't get back to a lawful society, we're going to a place which is exceptionally inhuman.
0: Catherine, I'm going to have to leave it there, but I want to say it's been an awesome discussion. I I hope we can have you (laughs) back to... uh, Discuss more at a later date. Thank you so much for your participation.
1: Thank you, and give my best to Mr. Chadadovsky, okay?
0: I will. Catherine Austin Fitz, uh, president of Solari, publisher of the Solari Report. Read more of her work at solari.com. You're listening to the Global Research News Hour, broadcasting from CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg and from partnering radio stations across Canada and the United States. This program has highlighted how lockdowns, social distancing, masking, and other COVID measures have had negative impacts on our society and way of life. One critic goes further in suggesting that they are not only deleterious, but are part of an experiment conceived by some great global elites on the masses of humanity. She says... Dark psychiatry is playing out with the dynamics we are subjected to, as they have most provocatively played out during the Stan Milgram experiments of the early 60s. The Global Research News Hour was intrigued and decided to give this person a call to find out a little bit more. Mila Alekowicz-Bataille is professor of "...Psychopathology and Psychology. She holds a doctorate from Sorbonne University in Paris. She has written over 100 scientific papers in several languages, as well as several books." and she is a member of the World Society of Psychopathology of Expression and Art Therapy. And in 2015, she was the president of the International Congress of Psychopathology. She began our conversation by reviewing the history of this field, starting with the Chinese general and military strategist Sun Tzu and his famous book, The Art of War.
2: The Art of War of Sun Tzu, uh, ancient China, was... um, uh... Um, the knowledge of the social manipulation. You know, it was uh, before BC. Uh, Then uh, manipulative modeling of human personality, um, we can say uh, was well known also by Spanish inquisition by Ignacio de Loyola, for example, who um, developed the specific program of Jesuits for the children. He was an excellent psychologist. And the the first, um, uh, personality breakdown techniques were maybe developed by Ignacio de Loyola. We'll see that uh, in the black the psychiatry uses all those techniques. But after that, we can talk, we, now we, we continue, we go further to the 18th century, and we can talk about the Robert Malthus, the Malthusian theory of the um, uh, eliminating poor populations. So um, the Malthusian theory of eliminating uh, poor people, poor populations, uh, as, uh, so on and so on, have been going on for decades in different uh, forms. The laws of classical conditioned reflex um, discovered by um, Ivan Pablo at the lowest level uh, how to say, in the structure of human consciousness uh, or unconscious, especially unconsciousness, are infallible. But at the level involving uh, the frontal cortex, human frontal cortex, uh, they, um, uh, uh, how to say, they don't work. So it, uh, it, it means that the freedom of the human being in this level of the frontal cortex is becoming the more and more powerful. Why I'm talking about this, because if you want to uh, to, um, manipulate somebody, you must uh, deal with unconscious uh, of the personality. Uh, If we are intelligent, um, uh, strong, uh, completely conscious, it does not work. In
0: other words, thinking humans who are aware they are being experimented on end up fumbling efforts at being experimented on. Professor Alechevich Batai goes on.
2: So, the experiments of Russian physician Ivan Pavlov uh, were conducted in uh, animals. And uh, uh, after that, we had the, the American Behavioral Psychological School, which is a real a great science. But this science will be all abuses of our psychological knowledge will come from this moment. As early as 1938, German military physician Otto Ranke began physical experiments on humans at a medical academy in Berlin, of Berlin. And um, this is the continuation of the experiments of uh, Ivan Pavlov, you know. It was, first of all, uh, the experiments Uh, he did the experiments on animals, but Otharanke began the experiments on human beings, 38, last century. So this is the beginning. It was, um, uh, he did the experiments with drugs, with uh, pharmacosubstances, with um, how to say, uh, not uh, neurolepsics in in that time, but it was the beginning. After that, we have uh, one very famous physician unfortunately, very, very famous physician called Joseph Mengele. Well, now we are at the beginning of the social, um, uh, of the black psychiatry, physical black psychiatry and social black psychiatry. Azarinsky and Kleitman um, did experiments with sensory deprivation, rapid eye movement, uh, sleep deprivation. If you did this experiments one, three, four, five nights, the patients go into psychosis directly. So after that, we have two uh, great psychiatrists, Donald Hebb, who was um, independent research, and Donald Cameron, who was the associate of Central American Agency. And Donald Hebb and Donald Cameron um, uh, conducted the the psychiatrist uh, experiments on human beings, on human patients and it was a real beginning of the black psychiatry in the United States, and the beginning of the mind control program, um, uh, artichoke, monarch, bluebird search, and so on and so on, Um, uh, program which lasted unofficially between 50s uh, and 70s on last century. But I think that I would say that this program uh, exists still today. Ten years later, with uh, (coughs) with uh, Ronald Lang, Franco Basaglia, Michel Foucault, uh, well, the the, I I would say the children of the greatest psychiatrists, French psychiatrists, Philippe Pinel and Etienne Esquirol.
0: With that progress of the history of Black psychiatric research, Professor Olakuwich. Bataille pointed out a similarity between the lockdowns of today and the written work
2: of yesterday. Today's lockdown of all the populations all over the world was in fact, was in fact, the book of Michel Foucault called Le Grand Renfermement, The Great Lockdown. Michel Foucault write a book, Le Grand Renfermement, A Medieval Measure, it is exactly what happens today with lockdowns of all the populations all over the world.
0: Professor alekowicz Batai then lays out the famous Stan Milgram experiment.
2: A famous experiments of Milgram, Carlsberg, Solomon Asch uh, um, examine how much people are able to confirm and listen uh, to illogical or unhuman commands. The Milgram's experiment asked people to give other people electric shocks, um, inquiring them to constantly increase their strength. And many accepted uh, this all, all, uh, how to say, at the request of authority, it was the authority, real or false authority, even, uh, how to say, even when the subjects in the experiment would start screaming. Of course, uh, the subjects in the experiment uh, did not know that uh, experiment used actors because it was a scientific experiment. Unfortunately, the conclusion of this experiment was devastating because only a small number of people were able to resist the cruelty and to refuse the obedience to the authorities' command uh, in any human experiment. This is very important to say. Uh, the majority accepted illogical, cruel commands and continued in this sense to torture the people. Uh, now, it is a, in a psychology and psychopath, psychopathology, we are calling this identification with aggressor. This is a mechanism uh, defense mechanism, a very ill defense mechanism.
0: According to the Milgram experiment, people who can be convinced to shock people at increasing levels if told to do so by an authority they trust. What Professor Alekowicz-Bataille is suggesting now is that people are being subjected now in the face of COVID to do precisely the same thing.
2: In the beginning of March 2020, all, all over the world, the proglo- uh, pro-globalist governments um, introduced a brutal state of siège, l'état de siège, uh, even um, uh, le couvre-feu, uh, French word, of course, and even uh, the state of emergency. And, you know, uh, such illogical illogical social measures, I would say, uh, were not seen uh, even um, under the German occupation during the World War II. That's why I'm talking today about crime against humanity. Grandchildren and young people were forbidden to visit their grandparents. Old people were only allowed to leave their houses between 3 and 7 a.m. at the night when they need sleep. What happened? What does it mean? It was just the sensory deprivation experiment. It was the experiment of sensory deprivation.
0: At this point, I challenged the professor. How did she know psychopathology was involved as opposed to logic, faulty or otherwise, of picking lockdown measures over the growth of COVID?
2: The measures of isolation and sensory deprivation were completely meaningless. Uh, um, As soon as completely logical measures were introduced everywhere, it was immediately clear that uh, it was a matter of social conditioning. People respect illogicality only in generated fear. And the fear was uh, awful. It was a real disaster. No one, for example, no one asked why all people were only uh, allowed uh, to leave their houses at night. It was a sadistic necrophiliac measure. Nobody asked how people who uh, don't have balconies would live. For example, a huge number of completely meaningless measures were introduced against the the real existing uh, virus, but completely oversized. But it was the experiment that was supposed to determine uh, 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 the extent to which people are afraid, to which people are afraid of orders from the authorities. Uh, now it was false. They they were false authorities because it, it was not a scientific experiment. It was a politician's, uh, supranational, uh, globalist minority. This is the false authority. But uh, people were afraid, and uh, this experiment wanted to, uh, to uh, examine to to what extent people can be enslaved.
0: At this point, we need to ask certain questions: Who is being experimented on? who is doing the experiment, and what is the aim of the experimenters?
2: Well, I would say that it, it was to cover, in the classic diversion, you know, the real social and economic danger today, and this is the collapse of financial system all over the world. Um, for, uh, since the time of the financial collapse um, on the Wall Street on uh, 2008 uh, for J.P. Morgan, and Goldman Sachs to survive, uh, the great world capital has gradually abolished all human freedom, and this was the cause. If we go, if if you we went, if we go to the cause of this phenomena, but let us say um, it, it was exactly the the real COVID nineteen virus is in banks, is banking capital in this social um, uh, excuse me um, supranational financial minority of criminals all over the world. But because we today we don't have left and right power, you know, political power, It is is the 19th century. Today we have just uh, this globalist minority on the one side and the sovereign peoples on the other. We are slaves, all of, all of us, we are slaves. We are on the other side. Uh, you have contradictory measures which amplify schizophrenic and paranoid uh, feeling in humans uh, uh also you have illogical commands you you we had a logic and we still have illogical commands and measures which promote illogical thinking then we had the repressive and humiliating measures uh, of covering the mouth and the nose for 20 hours a day you know uh, and also we have Uh, brainwashing measures, a call to the population, to distance themselves uh, as much as possible, completely foolish. And now we have also the techniques and the materials which cause victims. This is very important to say. Now I just want to to give you the, the little example to be clear. Although it was always known that uh, walking oxygen uh, sun and light to say like this yes are generators of um, uh, health and biological immunity populations all over the world have been uh, banned from exposure to light and to sun for more than 2 months do you understand what i'm talking about the old the the, the, uh, the persons over 65 couldn't leave their homes except at night. What does it mean? It was the deprivation, the sensory deprivation experiment. Somebody can tell me c'était le hasard. Non c'était pas le hasard, c'était le programme. And I um, I, I, just, I want to point this, it was the programme. We call this SCH program of life psychiatry. When you want to Break. Um, uh, this is a kind of a personality breakdown technique. If you want to uh, uh, to break somebody, you you just um, uh, did this essayage uh, program. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Today you you can, tomorrow you can't. Uh, now you must. Tomorrow it, tomorrow it will be forbidden. This is the program of schizophrenic program of black psychiatry, and we must say the truth.
0: The professor points out here that the orders issued during the pandemic have resemblances to the Milgram experiment insofar as it deliberately generates confusion among the subjects, or in this case, the people broadly.
2: Then, contradictory measures, which imply, uh, how to say, which imply this schizophrenic and paranoid feelings in humans. Uh, for example, we were... Uh, all the time, we were informed that the new virus was uh, insignificant and harmless. Um, only to be informed a little bit later that the new virus was as dangerous as a medieval plague. What happened? Now the uh, the World Health Organization said one thing tomorrow another. Well, that the people that a large number of patients died from uh, the new virus, although no autopsy was performed no autopsy was performed at the beginning of course and um, uh, three um, and, and there was no evidence of this there is no any evidence if, because if you if you are uh, forbidden the autopsies, you can't know what happened with people they can be that uh, you know um, and then illogical commands and measures which promote illogical thinking this is very important to say, uh, just uh, let me uh, give an example. For example, uh, it was allowed to stand in line, it was allowed to stand in line in front of shops, but it was forbidden to walk in an empty park and meet people. What does it mean? And uh, it, it is it is completely, it, it's a real breakdown technique uh, personality breakdown technique. Then, We had the repressive humiliating measures, humiliating measures of covering mouth and nose um, for 20 hours. You know, this is something uh, it it causes the the, something which causes the acidosis in your body, uh, brain damage, loss of memory and so on and so on. This is the crime against our children. This is the crime against humanity. I'll, I'll I'll be back to this, but just to say uh, just the one thing, I think the worst of all measures was the ban on elderly people over the age of 65 to leave their homes except at night, mm. except at night when they need sleep, because it is exactly what Donald what Donald Cameron and Donald have. That's why I I, I talked about uh, those psychiatrists. It was exactly what uh, uh, those psychiatrists did in the sensory deprivation experiment.
0: As discussed on past episodes in this program, the media has definitely been sending out frightening measures and chief public health officials everywhere have been barking out orders that don't make sense when looked at carefully. But in our panic, we seem to go along with and eventually normalize the measures. I asked Professor Alekovich Batai about the ultimate end game of the experimenters implementing this strategy.
2: The ultima ratio of all this operation was to make our life impossible. To, um, uh, and after that, to say, because when you have the, uh, when your life become impossible, you say just just enough. I can't support all of this. I will accept the vaccine. So it was the real ultima ras- ratio. It was the vaccinations with the experimental vaccines. It is exactly the Malthusian uh, Robert Malthus the um, program of the eliminating of poor populations, accepting the vaccines, the vaccines, experimentally vaccine. We can't live with masks, with lockdown. It is impossible, it is awful. Now I say enough, basta, I accept the vaccine. It, is, it was the ultimate ratio of their action. And why to accept the vaccines? To get the money because they got a lot of money and also to eliminating poor populations. As simple as that. It was the whole history, the Malthusian program is going on.
0: This idea of the Malthusian strategy of eliminating the poor through the vaccines was never discussed in depth during the interview, so I would advise caution in subscribing to it. Although there are researchers within highly related fields who warned of the possibility with the messenger RNA vaccines, antibody-dependent emulsification, allowing the system to become hypersensitive to the point of attacking the body itself. If this occurs, many more people would die. I asked the professor about how we as rats can fight back against our experimenters.
2: We have practically the civil, civilian war all over the world. For example, in France, all over uh, the France, in all towns, uh, uh, cities, you have... Uh, uh, c'est vraiment le Intifada. Uh, uh, in Germany also, in Italy also, in uh, in the Balkans it's now a, a little bit different, but uh, in the United States. But I, I would say uh, w- what is very important for me to say is that their experiment failed. Why? Because they had no real scientists with them. You know, the great scientists, uh, Dr. Um, Didier Raoul. Uh, uh, from uh, Marseille, from France, Marseille. Uh, Didier Raoul, uh, Doctor Peron, uh, Michael Levitt, uh, Nobel Prize, uh, Luc Montagnier, Nobel Prize, uh, Doctor uh, et cetera, etc., etc. The great uh, Jean Fourtillon uh, who, who was imprisoned in, in, in one moment. Uh, all those scientists didn't want to be with this criminal big pharma. Um, uh, how to say uh, minor, uh, minority globalist minority, because nazi nazi regime, nazi regime uh, during the World War II in Germany had the real scientists, the real German scientists falsificated the German history, but they were scientists it was uh, it was awful, it was catastrophic, but they were scientists now this community today. Of build uh, I would say that this experiment was conducted by criminals and idiots, and the greatest scientists would uh, uh, didn't want to work with them. That is the reason uh, why this uh, great experiment failed. I slightly disagree
0: with the professor on this point. While there are many, many experiments, including the Nobel Prize winners, she mentioned who disagree with the COVID measures, there are also many who agree with them, at least in Canada. We see them both on TV and off TV, and that is, in fact, arguably one of the key reasons why so many of us embrace them. The key question, too big in scope for this discussion, is why so many intelligent and trained experts, and not just laymen like myself, go along with these radical and contradictory moves. The professor goes on,
2: Another reason is that the urge to live, the, the instinct of life, I, I, I think that the instinct of life is always stronger than the instinct of death. And we won, in a, you know, it, it, it takes many victims, it still takes victims all over the world, but people understood. And now we have the civilian war all over the world, uh, the, the resistant. Uh, is going on and uh, this experiment failed we uh, we have today the the great class action lawsuit uh, crime against humanity i suppose that you uh, you told something about that i um, um, uh, this um, um, lawsuit is conducted by a um, german um, and american lawyer dr reiner who uh who is um who begins with this uh, great class action lawsuit crime against the humanity crime against our children crime against humanity i'm in charge for the eastern and southern europe and we'll go together all together all over the world with this lawsuit we are not rats we are human beings and we and we must win and this is very important to to know that we, we don't have to be afraid there is nothing Nothing, uh, this disease is, is, okay, it's one virus. This is not a question of virus, this is a question of liberty. This is the question of liberty all over the world. And we must stay in human as human beings, you know. If you, if you permit, um, I just uh, one um, poem uh, which I like very much comes to my mind in, immediately. It was something which I uh, read when I was uh, much younger. This is one poem of um, uh, um, T.C. Eliot, Waste and Another Poems. It comes to my mind, I mean, he asked, where is the life we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? The cycles of heaven in twenty centuries brings us further from God and nearer to the dust. And now, this comes to my mind. I'm asking myself, is a real our, our destiny, this dust? Or we'll be, uh, or will be still the human beings. Brave, courage. Let us remain brave, courage, and strong people. Let us uh, defend our humanity because our humanity is, is in danger. Yeah. I'd like to say to, to all our friends all over the world, to join us today in this class action lawsuit crime against humanity. We must, uh, the criminals have to be punished. It was the crime against our children. It was a crime against our liberty. It was a crime against our, uh, we, we couldn't work. Uh, and it, we had many, many victims and we still have victims. But I think that it, it is the beginning of the end. That their experiment failed. Their experiment failed. This is the most important to say. We had fear, victims, uh, identification with aggression, uh, all those uh, disasters, But finally, the real courage, strong people won. I would like to to um, to finish my, this this little interview. Uh, Thank you for your invitation with uh, these words. Power to all our friends. We will win. Thank you very much.
0: That was Professor Mila Alekovic Batay speaking to me on the topic of dark psychiatry as it plays out in the COVID battle. She spoke to us out of Belgrade in Serbia. Next week, we begin a special series exploring the tendency of the US to launch wars in the month of March and examine a few of the devastating conflicts of the last 25 years. Be sure to join us then. You've been listening to the Global Research News Hour, a program funded by the Center for Research on Globalization and produced in collaboration with campus community radio station CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg, on occupied Anishinaabe Gaking the homeland of the Métis and the historical territory of the Nihiawak and the Nakota. The show is aired on other radio stations across Canada and the United States and is available for streaming or download at globalresearch.ca. To leave feedback on this program, please email globalresearchnewshour at gmail.com. I've been the show's host and producer, Michael Welch. Thank you once again for listening.